following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. I came across a little story that I want to share with you this past week. A father one day was overheard chastising his son about his biblical knowledge. And he said, son, you probably don't even know the Lord's Prayer. And the son said, I do too. And the father said, okay, if you know, let me know what it is. And the son said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And the father looked at him surprised and said, wow, son, I didn't know you actually knew it. Well, this morning uh, we're going to be looking at the passage in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15, and continuing on with this Sermon on the Mount series that Reuben's been leading us through. And Donna's going to come and read that passage for us. <laughs> Good morning, church. Um, we are talking about prayer this morning, and um, in my reading this morning, it was talking about. Prayer is not the last resort, but the first instance. So I thought that was really cool. All right. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. I'm sure you know the Lord's Prayer, huh? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Thank you for that. Well, I only have a few minutes uh, this morning. Reuben said around 30-ish, so unfortunately I can't give you all the details of every word in this passage like I would want. Um, it's, a, it's a deep study, and, and uh, there's a lot in this passage. Um, but I just wanted to make some observations and give you some insights into what Jesus is really saying here about prayer. And so the first observation is verses 5 through 8 there. And Jesus is really warning against this hypocritical prayer. And the hypocritical prayer is that the hypocrites pray in such a way to be seen and to be heard by other people. And so they pray for the sake of, of the audience. And Jesus then also moves into this idea of, uh, of a private prayer, of going to your room and praying in secret. And he says, the Lord sees what's done in secret and rewards you for that. And so... I was thinking, you know, everyone is looking for the secret to success in life, aren't we? You know, we're looking for the secret to success in having a thriving, healthy marriage. Or we're, 
we're looking for the secret to success in raising kids, or we're looking for the secret to success in making a fortune, or we're looking for the secret of success in having a perfectly sculptured body. And I know you're looking at me thinking, wow, he knows that secret. (laughs) But what you discover is there's really no secrets to success in life, is there? Because life really comes down to learning and growing and working hard for success. Tiger Woods once said that his success on the golf course was due to his practice off the golf course. And likewise, I think the practice of our personal prayer life will will define our outward Christian life. And so Jesus said there in verse 6, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see, the secret to prayer is secret prayer, I think. And Jesus provides us with this perfect example because Scripture tells us in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus was surrounded by people in his earthly ministry all the time. He was surrounded by his disciples who followed him and wanted to emulate him. But yet we find out that Jesus often went off to those lonely places, it says, and prayed to the Father. And so unlike these religious leaders who prayed to be seen by people, Jesus prayed because he treasured and craved fellowship with his Father. So Jesus says these religious hypocrites are, are those who pray publicly to be seen and heard by others. But just like Reuben pointed out last week in his message on giving, where in verse 2 of chapter 6 it says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. It's the same thing. Reuben pointed out that if you do that, if you pray looking for that kind of reward from others, then that's the only reward you're going to get because you're not going to also receive the blessings from God. And so Jesus does not necessarily denounce long prayers here or public prayers. Public prayer is a very appropriate thing for all of us to do as Christians. And it's important that you're able to work up that courage to to pray publicly at times. And I know many of us get nervous about that. But it's part of our relationship to the Father, is praying publicly. Jesus, in fact, prayed his longest prayer in John 17, where he prayed for himself. He prayed on behalf of the disciples. And he prayed on behalf of those who would come to believe in him in the future as well. And so he showed us, really, in the way that Jesus prayed, he's showing us that prayer is more to do with the relationship that you have with God the Father. And so we should not also pray because we're going to be rewarded in some way, that we're going to be rewarded with God giving us the answers that we always want. That's not why we pray. The reward that Jesus is referring to there is much deeper and more satisfying than than a quick type of reward that we would normally think of. I think it's similar to like learning to play the piano, practicing the piano. And a parent might say to a child, and I'm sure many of you have said to your children, look, if you just practice the piano for 30 minutes, then I'll reward you by letting you play Xbox or letting you do something else. But 
to the one who actually practices the piano, to the point where they really learn how to play the piano, to the point where their fingers glide across those keys and make beautiful music, their reward is so much deeper. That is their reward. They learn how to play that music where they can just play the piano and, and be mesmerized by that music, and time will just fade away as they play. That's the beautiful reward. And I think that's similar to the reward that Jesus is talking about here with prayer, that your reward is meant to be deeper and more profound and more satisfying, and it's a more satisfying relationship with our Father in heaven. I like what Philip Ryken said. He said, there's no better test to the, of the spiritual state and progress of a Christian than his prayer life. And there's no greater reward for secret prayer than the sense of the presence of Christ in the midst of life's pressures and problems. Isn't that so true? And Jesus continues his thoughts here with verses 7 and 8. He says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Word babbling is a very interesting word. It's maybe an old school word now, but, you know, people will say you're just babbling on. You're just saying things. And in the English, it, it's kind of to stammer or to chatter or to be long-winded or to continually chant and keep saying over and over the same things. You're just babbling, you know. It was interesting to see what the other versions of Scripture, how they translated this word. And in the New King James Version, it uses the word vain repetitions. And I really like that translation because the vain part is referring back to, the, to what Jesus was saying about the hypocrites, that in their pride and their vain conceit, they wanted to be seen by people. They wanted to be heard by people. So the vain part really relates to that. And the repetitions is the babbling part. Vain repetitions. I think that's a pretty accurate way to define it. The New American Standard Bible, which is said to be one of the more literal translations, it says uh, meaningless repetition. And the NRSV translated it, heaping up empty phrases. I think that that's all related to this idea of meaningless words that, that don't mean anything because you don't mean them in your heart. In essence, what Jesus is talking about here is that he wants us to speak to God with purpose and sincerity, not just with superficial words that don't mean anything. And according to Jesus, your underlying motive is what's always going to dictate your relationship with the Father, your true relationship. Jesus judges motives. Jesus judges why you're saying that from your heart. Does it mean anything to you? And so Jesus is not also condemning long prayers necessarily. Because it's what is your motive? That's the real question that Jesus is looking at. In fact, in Luke 18, verse 1, Scripture tells us that Jesus told the disciples to always pray and not give up, that we should have a habit of prayer in our lives, that we should always pray and not give up, just continually be in prayer throughout our days, throughout our lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says we should pray without ceasing, that we should continually pray. And so it's not the, the long prayer, the amount of prayers. Jesus is just saying prayer should become part of who we are with the right motives. So his point here is we should avoid those meaningless, repetitive prayers that don't mean anything. 
And oftentimes people will bring these repetitive prayers in hopes that they can convince God to do something for them. And that's not why we should pray. Sometimes I hear different worship songs and I think to myself, how many times do we have to repeat the same line before God hears it? You know what I mean? God is looking for authenticity in what we say and what we do and how we worship him, not meaningless repetition. And then Jesus says this, this uh, verse here, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so we understand we're not supposed to pray like the hypocrites who pray to be seen. We're also not to just keep babbling words to God. But I thought this verse opens up a whole new set of questions for us, doesn't it? The statement that Jesus make, makes inevitably leads to this other question we have. Why bother praying at all? Why bother praying if God already knows what we need before we ask, right? It's a big question for us. We have been conditioned to think about prayer only in terms of supplication. So we've been conditioned to bring our supplications before God. And by supplication, I mean our requests. So we've been conditioned to pray by just bringing our requests to God always. And that's the only time we go to God is when we need something from God. That's kind of how we've developed this pattern of prayer so often. But prayer is not merely a means of presenting our requests to God. You, you know, relationships in general, whether it be to God or for one another, relationships are more than just giving and getting, right? That relationships are an investment of time and an investment of love and communication with one another. That's what produces healthy relationships. And that's what God is wanting from us. So if God already knows what we need before we ask, why bother asking at all? Well, prayer serves, for, serves a deeper purpose in our lives. And it's a deeper connection that we're forming with God, our Father. While it's true that God is omniscient, meaning that God knows all things, He already knows what we'll ask before we ask, that He knows everything. He can see, He knows, He's omniscient in that sense. And so prayer is not just merely about giving God information that He may not be aware of. The bottom line is this, that prayer is not a formula intended to extract things from God or by informing Him of information that he might need to know. God is not our magic genie in that sense. And so many people approach God as if he's a magic genie, that they call out to him when they need something from him in hopes that, that he will magically give them what they want. God is not that magic genie. Prayer is a means of connecting and communing with God. It's a means of expressing our trust and our dependence upon him. It's a means of of offering our gratitude to Him. It's a means of aligning our hearts and our minds with God's will. And so prayer serves as this gateway to a profound and personal relationship with our divine Creator. Because our divine Creator, He's omniscient. He knows everything, but He's omnipresent. He's everywhere as well. He knows us. He's everywhere, and He's inviting everyone into this personal relationship with Him. And prayer also involves aligning our desires and our intentions with God's perfect will. 
And so through prayer, we open ourselves up to God's wisdom and God's discernment within our lives. And so it's allowing Him to shape and mold our hearts to be more in line with His purposes. And so genuine prayer is not just a clamoring, endless list of requests. I liked what C.S. Lewis had to say about this subject. He said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. Isn't that powerful? Well, this leads us to this model prayer that Jesus gives us here with the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I thought it'd be good for us to say the Lord's Prayer together in unison. And Reuben cautioned me to make sure I tell you, we're going to use debts and debtors, not trespasses or sins, so we don't all get confused. Um, and so look up in your Bibles uh, the NIV version of the Lord's Prayer. That's the one I would like to use. So if you have your phones or your, or your actual paper Bibles, look that up. And before we do that, I'd like to say it in Tereo o Maori because uh, I find myself praying the Lord's Prayer mostly in Tereo now. And it's something that I memorized years ago um, because it opened up a whole new level of words for me within the, the Maori language. And so uh, let me pray it in Te Reo, and then we'll say it together in English. All right? Eto mato matua ite rangi, kia tapu to anoa, kia taimai to rangatiratana, kia mea tia tau epai ai ki runga kite fin. Kite finua, ki rite ano kito te rangi, ho mai kia mato aene he taro mamato motenero. Maruo mata hara, me mata hoki e muru ne iho te hunga a hara ana kia mato. A ua hoki mato e kawia kia whakawaia, ingnare whakaorani a mato i te kino. Na hoki te rangitiratana, te kaha me te karoria, aki, aki, aki. Amen. Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Some say this should be called the disciples' prayer instead of the Lord's prayer because, of course, Jesus taught it to the disciples to pray as a pattern of prayer. But let's talk about the different types of prayers that people pray. There's the emergency prayer, or might I say the non-emergency emergency type of prayer. You know, when you're sitting in traffic and you're running late for work, and so you're praying for green lights and open roads and maybe a miraculous teleportation or, or two. The prayer goes like something like this, Please, God, get me there on time and I'll never be late for anything again. <laughs> or... The bargaining prayer, right, where you start to make a deal with God. Lord, if you just let me pass this test, I'll go to church every Sunday the rest of my life, right? Or there's a checklist prayer where you're checking off all the things that you want God to do for you. Dear God, just give me a great job and a nice car and a great relationship and a winning lotto ticket. Oh, and the world peace, you know. 
or that complaining prayer because you don't feel like God's given you what you want. God, why did you make me so short or tall or fat or thin or awkward? Why can't I have what everyone else has? Why did you give me what I have? And, uh, of course, for the sake of Reuben and I, you can't skip over the uh, preacher's prayers, right? <laughs> Where It hits a little close to home here. Where we uh, preach the outline of our sermon during the prayer, you know? <laughs> we preachers summarize our message during the prayer just in case you weren't listening during the sermon, but you've perked up because I said the words closing prayer, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, here's some uh, observations about the Lord's Prayer. I think that Jesus has broken the Lord's Prayer into two different layers. And the first layer is discussing the three aspects about God. And so he starts out, our Father in heaven. And the first thing we need to understand is our Father. That our God, the God of the universe, our divine creator is our Father. And that he's in the heavenly realms, our Father in heaven. That he's eternal and everlasting. That he's outside and beyond our physical world and our physical universe. Our Father in heaven. And his name is holy or hallowed. Now I have to admit, hallowed is not a word I use very often in my daily life. I don't know about you. But it means really to be holy, to set aside, to set apart. And it's, it's the idea that the name of the Lord is set apart from all other names. That the name of the Lord is, is above and beyond all other names. Hallowed be your name. That your name is beyond all other names. Greater than. And His kingdom come. The kingdom of God is the central message that Jesus spoke all the time to His disciples. The kingdom of God Jesus brings up so often to His disciples. Your kingdom come. It's not a reference to nations or to people groups or the countries when you reference the kingdom of God. When Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, it's a reference to God's will be done upon the earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this first layer of the Lord's Prayer, it's all about giving God His rightful place. Because when we give God His rightful place, everything else will fall into its rightful place in our lives. And the second layer then, Jesus deals with three essential needs for all of humanity, for all people. All people need these three things. And the first one is the bread. And the bread, it's really representative of the present daily needs, our daily needs today. And so we should take, take time to bring to God our daily needs. But we should also take time to give thanks to God for what He provides for us on a daily basis. And giving thanks for our food, I think, sometimes has gone out of fashion in our modern world. But the reason that we develop that pattern in our lives of giving thanks for the food is really beyond just food. is is giving thanks for how God provides for us day and day. And then he says... Forgiveness is another essential need of humanity. Forgiveness. And forgiveness represents our past, doesn't it? It represents the things that we've done before. And 
whether your translation says debts or trespasses or sins, it's kind of all encompassing this conscious um, transgression that you've caused to either God or to one another. And uh, forgive us our debts is the most literal translation of the, of the Greek language, but it's much more than just like a, a financial debt. It's an indebtedness because of a transgression. And so I am in debt to you because of that transgression I did. And so you find that this really emphasizes the interconnection between our relationship to God and our relationship to one another. And so both intersect at this idea of forgiveness. Forgiveness from God, forgiveness from one another. And it encourages the spirit of grace in how we live out uh, our relationship to one another. But the next thing that Jesus says is really an essential aspect of, human, of humans is temptation. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's talking about our future, isn't it? It's talking about the future. It represents the things that will come. Lead us not into temptation, Lord but deliver us from the evil one. Don't let the evil one overtake us in the future. Lead us in our lives day to day, Lord. I loved how William Barclay's commentary, how he laid this out in this passage. And he says, in these three brief petitions, we are taught to lay the present, the past, and the future before the footstool of the grace of God. Isn't that beautiful? I love that perspective of giving our, our past, our present, and our future over to God and trusting Him with it. And so going deep with God begins with a major paradigm shift in our perceptions about prayer, doesn't it? Rather than just looking through the lens of finding a different technique to convince God to do the things we want, God is actually desiring us to develop a deeper relationship of prayer, a prayer life. God wants us to develop a prayer life which welcomes the presence of God into our lives. But one in which we also bring our lives into the presence of God. And you know, the presence of God is there in our times of need, for sure. But the presence of God can be there in your everyday, normal routines as well. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us have learned how to pray backwards, right? We've learned how to pray backwards according to what Jesus has laid out here in the Lord's Prayer. Because we normally approach God and come into His presence with a laundry list of requests for Him, don't we? And before those first words come out of our mouths, our minds have already shifted to the frenzied lives that we need to get back to. But Jesus says, reflect and come into the presence of God first before we present the request to God. And the challenge is always to first come into God's presence, come into the presence of our Father in heaven, and allow His kingdom to reign in and over our lives, in and over the busyness of our lives. In your prayer lives, have you ever tried to to take the time to clear your minds of all those random thoughts before you pray? Have you ever tried that? I challenge you to try this. It's, it's not an easy thing, especially in our busy lives. It 
can sometimes take me a long time to calm my, my brain and to get rid of those thoughts and to clear, clear my mind. And so for me, I will sometimes, and admittedly not as often as I should or as often as I desire, I'll get on my knees and put my head in the chair and I'll cover my eyes with my hands and I'll focus on the nothingness and I'll focus on the darkness until I can get to that point where my mind settles and where, where I can get to that point where those thoughts just stop fleeting across my brain, you know? You know how often it is when you start to pray and just your mind floods with all these random thoughts? And so trying to refocus your mind before you enter into that time of conversation with God. It sounds more simple than what it is, I find. Because I believe that Satan's greatest tool of influence in our modern times is to keep us distracted and to keep our minds full of all kinds of things that keep us from fully focusing on God. And our minds are are distracted with those random thoughts and with the worries of life and the busyness of life. But if you, if you start to practice coming into the presence of God and, and letting your mind be free from, from all those distracted thoughts, it just might transform your prayer life. Now, it's not a magic formula, and it's just a recommendation from me. There's nothing magic about it. But if you allow your time for your mind to be cleared of those thoughts before you enter into the conversation of God. It just might transform your life. And I would say try this even if you feel like if you if you feel like you really don't know how to pray. It's okay. Enter into that time with God. The Spirit will guide you in that. Or some of you might even feel like you're struggling to even have a connection with God. I challenge you to just just go ahead and, and give this a go. Try and spend time with God and clear, clear your mind of the random thoughts. And implement this into your life and see what the Spirit does. Because Roman, Roman chapter 8 tells us that the Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf. Especially when we're struggling to know how to pray. When we're struggling to know what to pray. That the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf and communicates to God on our behalf. And the pattern of prayer laid out in Scripture is that we pray to the Father with the help and the power of the Spirit in our lives. And we're able to approach God because, because Jesus, our high priest, has opened a way for us to come to Him. That we no longer have to go to the priest in the temple and, and have the priest pray on our behalf. That Jesus is our ultimate high priest that opened the way for us to communicate with God anytime, anywhere. Hebrews 4, I love the, how Hebrews 4 describes this high priesthood. And it says, because we have such a great high priest, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. I think that's what Jesus is telling the disciples here. That they too can approach the throne, the throne of grace with confidence. You can approach your Father in heaven with confidence. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. That you can bring your past and your present and your future to God. Make it a practice in your life to pray even when you don't feel like it. Or even when you're doubting that God is even listening. Pray. Pray to our Father in heaven and the Spirit of God will translate your words 
The Spirit of God will translate your worries and your fears and your disappointments into words that God will understand. Because Jesus has opened the way for us to approach God. So this week, will you pause in your life? Find some time in your life to just pause and, and reflect and, and really spend time with God this week. Maybe there's some things in your prayer life that you need to adjust somehow. Or maybe for some of you, you need to start a prayer life. Maybe you can do that this week and spend time with God. Well, there was a song that popped up on my Spotify playlist as I was listening to worship songs this week. And the title of it is Known, Seen, and Loved. And the words are so in line with how I think we, we... Think about prayer or how prayer happens in our lives at times. Listen to these words. It says, I'm always in a hurry. Talk too much when I pray. Because if I'm quiet, I'll hear you. And I'm scared of what you'll say. I thought I wanted answers. I thought I wanted healing. But what I need most is to be known, seen, and loved. Letting go of ego, putting down my pride, holding to a new hope, trusting what's inside. Finally found the courage to sit alone with you. We pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for this time that we can gather together in your name and reflect on your scriptures and to learn from your word. I, I pray that the Holy Spirit will, will encounter each one of us even now, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to hearing from you this morning. Lord, life is so, <clears throat> so busy and so there's so many distractions in our lives, Lord, that let us each refocus each week, each day. Let us take you into the busyness of our lives, Lord. Lord, we know that you've promised to be with us and to be in us. I pray that you'll help us to recognize your presence in our life, to recognize what you're doing in and through and around us, Lord. Give us eyes to see your kingdom in the midst of all that's happening around us, Lord. I thank you for today. I thank you for your presence that you've offered to us, even when we may not feel like coming into your presence, Lord. I just pray that you'll set it on people's hearts today to, to develop this practice of prayer in their lives. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.